If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. You ever gotten an email that was all capital letters and exclamation points, and you could just hear the person shouting at you as you read it? Especially if the whole thing isn't caps, maybe if it's a few sentences, but if they really want to emphasize a certain thing, that it's all caps. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He writes really big here. There's an erroneous idea that he did it because he was really about half blind and couldn't really see very good, so he wrote big like a ch- That is so silly. There's not one shred of evidence in Scripture at all that Paul had an eye problem. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and yet most evangelical theologians believe that nonsense because they live in such unbelief themselves. I don't mean to pick on anybody, but I can't help it. The Apostle Paul was not blind nor near blind, had, neither did he have some kind of eye disease. When he writes big letters, he's shouting at them. This we know because of what he said in Galatians. This whole book has a tenor of that. In chapter 3 and verse 1, he called them a bunch of witches. You all probably studied that part. Chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he said exactly the same thing. Why don't you put chapter 1, 8 and 9, can you put them up there together or no? Is it one verse at a time only? Galatians 1, 8 and 9. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Look at verse 9. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Kind of starts the whole thing out shouting at him, doesn't he? (laughs) And at the end of it, he says, you see how big I'm writing? I want you to get this. It's his first letter. Very likely his first letter. There's, There's discussion about that. Some say 1 Thessalonians. I say this one. Paul splashes onto the gospel literary scene with this letter, shouting. I don't know why a preacher named Holler would like that, but I like that. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, As many as desire to make a fair show... In the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Now, in 2012, it's just a guess. I'm just going to guess. But I doubt that anyone in this room of the male persuasion has ever been approached with that line. Come join our church and we'll make you righteous by circumcising you. Anybody here ever had anybody come to you and say, we will join our church, we'll circumcise you. Has anyone ever said to you, you must be circumcised in order to be made righteous? Has anyone ever said that to you? No. I mean, it's just a guess, but I'm I'm, I'm thinking that's not what they say in 2012. But let me warn you, they do say other things. It's not circumcision today. Today it's water baptism. 
And if it's not water baptism, then it's a lot of, a lot of good things. How many of you know you should be water baptized? But they'll make it about church attendance. They'll make your righteousness about church attendance, tithing, uh, witnessing, reading the Bible, and praying. All things that I believe are aspects of a successful Christian life. These are all aspects of a successful Christian life. But these things are not how a person is made righteous. These things are what righteous people do. Pardon me for shouting. I, I haven't been here in a while. I know you can hear me. These things are what righteous people do. Dogs bark because they're dogs. I've never had to teach our neighbor two houses down. Not the first house, the second house. He has dogs. I hate him. No, I don't hate him. I don't. I I really don't. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. I do hate his dogs. We, we do because they, they bark. Did you all know dogs bark? Do you know why they do that? Because they're dogs. That's what dogs do. I've never had a dog I had to teach to bark. All right, all right, Junior, repeat after me. Ah, now you try. I've never had to do that with a dog. I've had to try to shut them up. Right? We try, to, we try to get them to stop acting like they were born to act. We try to make them like us, sleep at night, wake up in the day. That's not dogs. That's not dogs. A dog, you understand what a dog's going through at night when he can't see everything? Dogs don't see at night like cats do. A dog can't see everything. His, all of his perception is centered on his nose. So he can smell a cat three blocks away. Strange cat! Strange cat! Hey, everybody, strange cat! Right? (laughs) Poor dogs. It's what they do. Y'all are probably embarrassed because we have visitors in the house tonight. can't help it. Let me say to you, when you've been made righteous and you know it, you can't stay away from church. You can't keep from writing that check. You can't keep from talking to your friends. You can't stay out of the Bible. You can't keep from praying. It's your life. These are success. These are the parts of a success. And when I find a Christian who comes and they're having difficulty in their walk, I generally will take them through one of those. Say, what, have you let down here one of these things missing? How did you get deceived into not doing these things? Because this is who you are. This is who you are. You're acting some way that, you, that doesn't belong in this family. Everybody understanding me here? This is what the Bible means by sin, missing the mark. The Bible doesn't hold sin, the sin condition up against a Christian. But it holds, miss, it, it, it holds up mark missing, sins. And that's all the word hamartia means, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A, hamartia. It just means to miss the mark. Whoops. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, in, been target shooting at all. One time I, I shot an AR-15. Anybody know what that is? It's, it's a gun with a capital G. 
It's what they use in the military. You all have heard of the M16? It's the same gun except the M16, when you pull the trigger on the M16, it just keeps spitting out bullets as long as you hold that trigger down. It's called a fully automatic weapon. <laughs> Those are terribly illegal in this country for you to own one. You don't, don't run out and try to buy an M16 because it's against the law. But an AR-15 is virtually the same gun without the mechanism to make it fully automatic. But all you got to do is just touch the trigger. And every time you touch the trigger, pow, 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 it'll shoot just as fast as you can pull that trigger. With the same velocity, the same kick, the same power that the M16 has. It will bore a hole. It will go right through. That bullet will go right through plate steel like that. You know why I know that? Because I had a friend who had some targets up, and they were, they were plate steel, and he would put paper on them and shoot them, and, and it would stop virtu virtually every bullet. He said, now, be sure you don't shoot one of my targets with that gun. I pulled that gun up, and when I pulled it up, I just touched the trigger. It, I mean, the trigger was I mean, just so easy to touch. Blew a hole right through one of his metal targets. <laughs> he said, you hit the target. I said, dang, I'm good, ain't I? He said, no, I mean, you. We walked down there. Sure enough, there was a hole. Right through it. To miss the mark is all sin means for a believer. It doesn't mean you've stopped being who you are. My kids once in a while miss the mark. I've missed the mark. Miss Ant, no, Miss Ant, I'll miss the mark. But pretty much everybody else has missed the mark here and there. A sin doesn't mean you've gone the opposite direction. We deceive ourselves and we deceive Christianity by giving repentance a definition that is not in the Word. We say repentance means to do a 180 degree turn and go the other direction. That's what every preacher says, but that is not what the Bible says at all. It doesn't say that at all. Metanoia is the Word. And it cannot be defined with any kind of action. It's defined with thoughts. Metanoia means to change your mind, change the way you think. Let me say to you, if we can just get our minds changed, our bodies will turn. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I've trained ponies before, horses. I call them cow ponies, but I've trained, trained horses before, cow horses. Teach him to rain. I can teach a horse to rain virtually in one day where he'll just spin around in a circle under you. Amazing. I'm an amazing teacher. Actually, actually, quarter horses are just smart animals. And you may have your favorite animal, but quarter horses are smart animals, and they're easy to teach, easy to train. And I can, I can train them to, to rain. I've, I've taught them. I've taught lots of, lots of animals, all kinds of things. But let me say to you, it was in them to be trained. It was in them to be trained. They just had to have some direction. What you need for your life is not a 180-degree turn. You need a change of mind. You need to change your mind. Change your mind. Stop worrying about how, how you're turning or, or not. Change your mind. Change the way you think. If you can change the way you think, when I got that pony to think, I could stop beating him. I was not a horse whisperer. 
I know, I know, I know that hurts your feelings, but I, I was trained by a rancher. That's the only way I knew how to train him. But when I got him to change his mind, getting him to do the other things was easy. You understand? If you want to get rid of all the stuff you're, you're going through, then you change your mind. You change your mind. That's what repentance is. Met, everybody say metanoia. metanoia. Means to change your mind. Noia is the, is the Greek word for mind. Meta means change. Change means that's simple, isn't it? So God doesn't even see that Christians have a sin problem. God doesn't see it that way. He sees you have a righteousness issue. Amen. Amen. You have a righteousness issue, which causes you to be able to live in a way that you couldn't possibly live on your own. Now listen. Verse 12, it says, they don't want to suffer the persecution for the cross of Christ. Any level of religious pressure or manipulation that puts your righteousness on the line is a swipe at the cross. There are those who say we must keep the feasts to be righteous. Besides being idiots, they despise the cross and the simplicity of its message. We must keep the feasts to be righteous? Are you kidding? You couldn't possibly keep the feasts as a Gentile. You can't possibly do anything like that. There's all kinds of religious sects out there that are saying we have to do all this and be all that. And uh, I mean, I just want to say what the Apostle Paul said. This is the rule we live by. And we're going to get on down there. Verse 13. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. I mean, they expect you to live a certain way, but they don't live that way. Even, even the Apostle Peter fell into that himself. As we probably studied earlier in chapter 2, the Apostle Paul had to point it out to him. He had to point it out to him. He rebuked him in front of everybody. <laughs> you know, first time I read that, I thought, wow, this guy's got nerve. He better be right. Peter drops him in the tracks. <laughs> he better be right. Well, apparently he was right. And if the Apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus fell into the trap of expecting others to live by the law but himself not doing it, I don't think there's anybody in 2012 that's going to be capable of making that work. Okay. They expect you to live one way, but they won't do it themselves. Conversely, Jesus lived it. Set himself up as an example, yes, but not only as an example, set himself up as the covenant maker between God and man knowing that you couldn't possibly make a covenant with God that would last. But what you could do was believe in Jesus. What you could do was believe in him and his heroism, believe in his sanctifying power, believe in his redemptive blood, praise God. You could believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. You could believe the gospel that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. According, you could, Hallelujah, you could believe in Jesus. Since when did we stop making Christianity about Christ? Since when is Jesus not the center of everything we talk about? Jesus not the center of everything that we preach. Jesus not the center of everything that we live. He is, glory be to God. Whether you make him that or not, he is Lord. You can't make him Lord. He is Lord. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 
Glory to Jesus. Come on, somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Christianity is all about Jesus and about those who love him and those who believe in him, those who keep saying he is Lord. And I think about back in the 80s, there were two basketball teams. Before Jordan got big in the middle 80s, the early 80s, there were two teams. And in the late 80s, you know, kind of all through that even, there was, there were, there were, there were, but there were, there were two basketball teams. None of them tech from Texas. And we have good basketball teams here now, but back then, even people in Dallas didn't root for the Mavericks. <laughs> you had to pick L.A. I mean, if you're going to be in the playoffs, you had to pick L.A. or Boston. L.A. and Boston. My house was divided. It was magic and bird. They're best of friends now, but they were enemies then. Magic on the West Coast, bird on the East Coast. What two, how many of you remember those days and were involved in watching that? That was some kind of, some kind of thing. I have the Larry Bird video. <clears throat> Dennis Johnson, who was his teammate, is interviewed on there. And he talks about Larry Bird. And he said, one day we were leaving. We'd had a hard practice, and he said, we were leaving the gym. He said, and from the showers in the locker room, we had to walk back through the gymnasium. And he said, we heard the ball bouncing out there. He said, we're all carrying our bags and walking out. And we looked down there on the court. And there's Larry Bird, the best player in the league, shooting free shots. We all just kind of stopped and looked at each other, looked down there at our franchise player, still practicing. We all just turned around, went back in there, got dressed again, went out on the court, started shooting. <laughs> the hero sets an example that makes you want to be like him. Glory to God. Didn't have to say a word. Didn't have to look up. If we're going to win a championship, you better get down here with me. See, this is how religion talks. Amen. Faith just goes about its business. It sets an example. Amen. Amen. You don't have to try to headlock people into going to heaven. I said you're going to heaven. <laughs> or whatever it takes. But I mean, no, if you live your faith, you're going to help somebody. You just live your faith, you're going to help somebody. Come on, tell somebody, I'm going to help somebody by living my faith. The Apostle Paul then says, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I have news for you today. Contrary to religious popular belief, you do not have to crucify yourself daily. That's not in the Bible. The Bible teaches that you're supposed to believe you are crucified with Christ. That you have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. 
in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then verse 20, uh, verse 20, it's 220, and then verse 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by how I perform, and Christ died for nothing. Are you listening? I am crucified. See, the reason why there are so many people that are, that are trying to crucify themselves, they're, oh, just, just living the crucified life. Well, you're not either. You don't even believe that the crucifixion of Jesus applies to you. You're still trying, still trying to kill yourself. Just crucifying this old flesh. You're, you're crucifying your flesh? You know there's going to be blood over that. It's going to be blood over that. Don't be silly. <laughs> Don't be silly. They do that over there, over there in the Philippines. They, 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 when they say that, they just take it literally, and they'll crucify a guy every year. I mean, they don't kill him. They just drive nails through his hands and feet, and they march him down the street on a, several of them, actually. There are guys who, who, who submit to this lunacy. By the way, is that nail clean? Because somebody made them believe this is what you have to do in order to prove how holy you are, in order to be righteous. It's nonsense, but it comes from the way people talk and the way they think, rather than putting faith in what Jesus did. His crucifixion did it. You're being crucified. Hey, by the way, there were two other guys crucified on that hill with him. They weren't dying for your sins. They were just dying. Are you hearing me? I hear people say, I, I, you can ask people, what, what, what is the gospel? Well, Christ died and he was buried and he rose again. No, that's not the gospel. That's the facts. But the gospel part is the two words, three words, for our sins. Christ died for our sins. There's the gospel. It's no good news that a man dies on a cross. It's only good news if he did it for us. But he did do it for us. Hallelujah. I don't know if this is helping you, but I'm preaching old holler happy. Amen. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried. You all knew I was going to say something about that, didn't you? I was called to preach the gospel, not some weird. Okay, never mind. Verse 15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Oh, there we go. That's what matters. Have you become a new creature? How many of you are trying to become human? <laughs> Greg, don't raise your hand, man. Put that hand down. You are human. <laughs> Greg went like that right there. How many of you are trying to become human? Of course not. You were born human. You're not trying to become human. And it sounds silly to say it. How many of you are trying to become human? <laughs> yeah, you're stupid. No, you're, yeah, it is stupid to say that. But at the same time, you ask people, are you saved? Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. Are you a Christian? Well, I'm trying to be. Come on, get, go ahead and get born. I mean, you stay in that birth canal, you'll die. Don't be trying to be. You need to get out here with the rest of us. Trying to be human. Not trying to be a Christian. Either you are or you're not. As Miss Ann reminds me on a regular basis, if I get to 
storming around about something, get an opinion, get to preaching back at Fox News or something. She'll look at me and she'll say, you is kind. <laughs> you, anyway. <laughs> you is smart. You is important. <laughs> You're born that way. You're born that way. You were born again this way. We tend to see a guy at the club on Saturday night and see him in church on Sunday morning. And our mind says, look at that guy. He's a hypocrite. He was at the club last night. I saw his car there. I saw him come, come out stumbling. And there he is in church with his hands up, praying, acting like he's all this and all that. Can I say to you, you don't know what that guy's going through. You don't know the torment he's going through. You don't know the guilt he's experiencing. He's not trying, probably not in, in the house of God, because he's trying to be a hypocrite trying to show that he's something he's not. He's probably there because he knows that's his only help. And he may do that for a while, but let me tell you, if he stays in church, church will win. Stop calling him a hypocrite. Say, thank God he showed up here this morning. Of all the people here, he needed it. <laughs> Can I get a good amen in this house of faith? I mean, let's not, let's not be judgmental of people. You don't know what they're going through. Yes, come on. You don't know what they're going through. They're going through stuff. And I'm not saying it's okay for him to do what he did on Saturday night. All I'm saying is it ain't none of your business, really. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. We let them show up in the house of faith, and we put our arms around them, and we act like they don't have alcohol on their breath. That ought to be good news to three or four of you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> Pastor Everett, I knew you needed some relief there, so I... <laughs> Verse 16, and as many as walk according to, to, to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel. Do you see where peace and mercy come from? They're going to tell you. Religion's going to tell you, you don't get peace and mercy unless you live by the rules. Paul said, really, there's just one rule. Believe in the new creation. <laughs> peace and mercy come from walking according to this rule. What? What rule? The new creation. Believe that none of that religious stuff means anything. But the new creation who you became, not who you're trying to become, who you know you became when you believed on Jesus. No resurrection practice. No rapture practice. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a resurrection. You don't have to practice for it. Hallelujah. Verse 17, from henceforth let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body 
the marks of the Lord Jesus. Can I, can I put this in my own vernacular, what that whole verse says? Look at my scars. Now shut up. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. That's the shut up part. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. When you get scars like this, you can talk. Colossians 1.24 says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. He's not talking about his corporal, corporal body. He's talking about his spiritual body, the church. Now, this, this verse stunned me when I first read it. Colossians 1.24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind pardon me, of the afflictions of Christ. Afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is fill up that which is behind. One translation says that which is lacking. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Something was lacking in the afflictions of Christ? Remember, when Jesus went through all he went through, he was paying for all of the promises he made to us, to, to the world. But don't forget, he said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of McKinney? No. The lost sheep of the house of the Germans? No. The lost sheep of the house of the French? <laughs> of course not. Uh, the lost sheep of the house of the Danes? What's your heritage? Yours is German, I know. What's your heritage? The house of the Brits? No. Any other nationalities that are represented here? Did he say he's filling up that? Was, uh, did Jesus say he was not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Ireland? No. No. Did he, the lost sheep of the house of Mexico? No. No. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What he did, he did for Israel. And we got in by faith, but the thing was, we had never, nobody had ever paid for this full bore gospel of grace. It was not being preached. Until Paul came along. Oh, you got to get a hold of this. This is so deep, it'll shock you. The reason why Paul had to go through those sufferings was because no one had ever heard this message. And every message that revolutionizes the world must be paid for. It was the blood of Jesus. And our faith in him that did it. Don't, don't misunderstand. But this guy carries this message. And because it has never been preached before, it must carry with it the sufferings of Christ. That's why Paul had to suffer the way he did. Jesus told him up front, I'm going to show you all that you're going to have to suffer. And Paul said, these are the marks of Jesus in my body. It says here in Galatians, uh, where is that Galatians? 
3 and verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Well, when, when was Jesus Christ crucified among the Galatians? He was never out there. He was crucified in Jerusalem. The Galatians weren't there. They weren't invited to the Jewish feasts. When did they see Jesus Christ crucified evidently? That is with visual. When did they see that? Come on, somebody say it. When they saw Paul. That's why he makes a big deal about his marks. He said, this message was paid for by me. And I'm sharing in the sufferings of Christ for you Gentiles to fill it up, to make sure that the price is paid for you as well. Vicariously, he was carrying the sufferings of Christ to the Gentiles. Don't you ever in your mind put that man in a category as though he's just one of the many apostles. Not when he says things like this. If we're to believe he's true, if we're, believe, if we're to believe all of the Bible, you have to believe what it says there. Glory to God. That's why I always say the single greatest Christian that ever lived. And he's to be honored and revered. He really is. Because we wouldn't know Jesus. We couldn't pray in his name. We couldn't have this grace flood us like we do if it weren't for the Apostle Paul's ministry. Amen. Amen. Can I have a good amen here? It's not in the Bible, but we do know he's going to wear a crown. We do know he has a crown. It's not in the Bible, but Jesus said to those original 12, you will sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I wonder who's going to be sitting on a throne judging us with Jesus. I want, let me see. I just have just one name comes to mind. It doesn't say it, but I'm wondering. Jesus delegates authority. He gave, when he gave his authority to those 12 apostles, he gave it to them forever, apparently, because they're going to sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes. When he gave Paul that, that authority, I wonder if it's not going to be a similar thing. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? You see, here's what this world needs to see. Is not Christ dying in you, but Christ living in you. Don't forget the whole gospel. The last point of the gospel is that he rose again the third day. Glory to God. They need to see him living in you. We saw him dying in Paul. Now they need to see him living in you. He did that for you. He filled up the sufferings for you Gentiles. Is that what he said? Is that what the scriptures say? He filled up the sufferings. For you Gentiles, that you can live in the glory. Live gloriously. Live above sin. Live above the hamartia. So that the world will say, wait, wait a minute. Don't tell me Christianity is a fake. I know one Christian. And if there's one, there has to be more. If, you can, if that friend of yours can just see one person living for God. Living their righteousness. Imagine what it could do to them. Amen. You want to be a real witness? Live it. Live it. 
Live it. Take advantage of the suffering that that Jesus did for you. Take advantage of the suffering that Paul did for you so that you can live in the resurrected life of Christ today and enjoy all that there is that's good. What what all is involved in that? Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, he wrote that, that, that was proof that he beat death. And it was proof that he beat sin, which caused death. And if he beat sin and death, hello, that means he beat everything that sin and death led in. This is why we preach healing. Because when Jesus died for our sins, he was dying for our sicknesses too. That's why we preach prosperity. Because when he was dying for our sins, he was dying for our poverty as well. Glory to God. If If he died for our sins, he died for everything that sin led in. Adam wasn't broke until he sinned. Adam wasn't sick until he sinned. His son wasn't a murderer until he sinned. All that got in because of sin. Christ, are you getting how, why the, the, the power is in the gospel? It is why the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, it's fairly strong. No, it's something, it's, oh, it's, 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 uh, it's sort of powerful. No. What is it? It is the power of God. Unto deliverance, that is, whatever kind of deliverance you need, the gospel is the power for it. Christ died for us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Finally finally the righteousness of God is revealed. See because the wrath of God had been revealed from heaven that's what verse 18 says Romans chapter 1 finally the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written the just shall from faith to faith as it is written The just shall live by what he believes, by faith. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.